through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. I don't know how you felt in the last week or so. I remember from about Friday, Friday morning, things just begin to hit one after another, developments rolling and flowing, and it's like we didn't know what was going to come next, and, and the news cycle has been like that ever since. And uh, in the midst of all of this seemingly out of control, we just sang that the Lord is Lord of all. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, thank you. Thank you that you are Lord of all, that your Son does rule and reign, that Jesus is Lord, that he is risen. Our hope is in him, and that is our sure foundation. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the, the sure word that you have given us, that which we can count on in the, at times when we don't know how things are going to be or what's going to happen next. And Father, would you... Would you encourage us and, and, and comfort us? Father, point us toward your future this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So many things seem out of control. We don't know what's coming. Maybe you're wondering, how can all this be? What's going on? Is, has God sent a, 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 a plague? There's, there's this happening. There's earthquakes. And what's going to happen next? How, what's, I, I found it interesting. There was, a, there, was, there was a news article in the midst of last week that said, uh, those who study these things, Christians have said that the end of the world is not coming next or, or yet. It's, we're not quite there yet. So I guess we can relax a little bit. But uh, actually, the word this morning tells us, any time. Our hope is in him. And, and, and any time our Lord is coming, and that is our hope. Maybe you're settled in your trust in God and you're wondering, what's all this panic about? What's all this state of emergency? Why is everybody so worried about what's going to happen next? Well, it's true that the coronavirus is not the leading cause of death in the world today or in the United States, but it is a new cause of death. And it's an it's a unknown and, and silent and you can't see it coming and you don't know where it's going to strike next. And in the midst of all this, it's, it's almost as if we have again been exposed, not merely to a virus, but we've been exposed to our own mortality. That we have been reminded that sooner or later, death is going to catch up with us. We can't stop it. We can't prevent it. I said last Sunday that it's a timely, it's timely that we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 at this time. That this chapter speaks to us about how a people of faith and love and hope relate to others around us. And it's important that even at a time of social distance, we relate to people around us. They need us in times like this. We live in the midst of, a, of an uncertain and a, a, a panicked population, you could say. I mean, people don't know who's going to get this virus next. They don't know, is there going to be enough left in my 401k in order to buy lunch after restaurants finally open again? They don't know where we're going to get our next roll of toilet paper. And I don't mean to make light, but, but the, all kinds of uncertainties, the threat of the virus itself, but the whole disruption of life. It's, it's, it's a time when people of faith have an answer for fear. It's people 
of love who will give their roll of toilet paper away to somebody else instead of, of hoarding 80 rolls in their garage. It's people of hope and a settled confidence in God and God's future in his kingdom. They're the ones to be able to give hope, comfort to the people around us. We know something that is sure, what is settled. If our overall mission is to go to people around us for Jesus and to bring them into God's family through faith in Jesus, to be building one another up as followers of Jesus, then it's important that we know how we relate to people around us. And that's exactly what 1 Thessalonians 4 speaks to us about. This chapter says that we relate to others as a people of faith, a people of faith in one God, that our trust is, is holy and totally in him and him alone, that we have a singular devotion to God, even as, as it's paralleled out in a single devotion to one other in marriage. We are a people of faith in one. We are a people of love that, that should abound, not in, not in arguing or agitating, but in listening. And not in meddling in others' affairs, but rather serving them in the midst of their needs. Finally, in this section of 1 Thessalonians 4 that we're going to be in today, our Bible text this morning is going to tell us that as a people with an overruling hope and confidence in God, that is not shaken in the midst of uncertainty or even death, we, we can share that hope with people around us. That, 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 that certainty of God's future doesn't insulate us, it doesn't isolate us from the grief and loss that is all around us and that we are feeling as well. But it does strengthen us in the midst of grief and loss and it enables us, it gives us God's hope and comfort to share with people around us. Now what I want to do this morning in this text is I want to first, I want to, I want to set the table I want to um, kind of give us the background that we're in the midst of. These Christians that Paul is writing to, they've been living in light of a reality that Jesus is their king and savior and he is coming soon and they have been going all out. They have left it all on the field and yet weeks have passed and months have passed and some of them have, have died been in the midst of persecution. They've been killed as martyrs. Others have perhaps died a natural death. And as, as, the, as the calendar has rolled on, Jesus has not yet come. And in the midst of maybe a, a, a change in expectations, they're, they're wondering, where is the promise of his coming? And what about these who have already died before Jesus returns for us? Are they going to miss that glorious coming of our Lord and Savior when he does return? Are they going to miss out because they died before it happened? Now, today we might not be wondering the same thing. From our vantage point, we're not asking this, quite the same questions, but they're similar. We are all also perhaps asking, in the midst of all this, where is our God? Where is God's sovereign hand in the midst of this chaos? Is Jesus actually coming? Is there going to be a time when God is going to intervene on planet earth and he's going to take and make all that's wrong right? That's what we long for. That's what we hunger for. Perhaps we're wondering what difference does eternity with God in the future make in the middle of this kind of distress, these times when people are dying from an unseen killer virus? But what God's word tells us this morning is that your confidence in God's promise, 
will give you peace and hope in the midst of grief and loss. And not only that, it'll enable you to share God's hope with others around you. What I want to do first this morning, I want to read our passage, about six verses, and then I want to, want to go over it again and just kind of talk through it line by line. So I invite you to open your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, your Bible, your device, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. I'll start reading from 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with a voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and who are left will be caught together with them in clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. You see, fear comes in a, in a, in a vacuum, but faith is based on what God has said. When we don't know what, then fear flows in and it fills that space. But God has told us what. And fear, or faith rather, based on what God himself has said, gives us a sure foundation. You may feel at times becoming fearful or discouraged withdrawing in resignation. What can I do in the midst of all of this chaos? Everything's out of control. Inform your spirit. Remind your spirit of who God is, of what God has done for you, of what God will do, of what God has clearly said. That's what the psalmist did, remember? Psalm 42, he says, why are you, he tells his soul the truth. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted, unsettled within me? Hope in God. For I will yet praise him, the one who is my salvation and my God. God's word is the carbohydrates of faith. Just like carbs fuel our muscles, God's word fuels your faith. Don't be uninformed. Don't be unaware, not knowing of what it is that God has promised. Read daily if you eat daily. Like Paul says, guys, you need to know this. That's what I titled this section this morning. Guys, you need to know this because that's what Paul starts out with. I don't want you to not know. You need to know this. You need to know this about those who are asleep so that you won't grieve in the same way as those who have no hope. There's a key difference. There's a key difference between us and others. We have hope. One of the most striking phrases to me is in Ephesians chapter 2 where it speaks of those who are without God and without hope in the world. And the world is full of people in that plight. And yet you and I have hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus died for us and risen from the dead and our hope is in him. And, and we don't grieve the same way as those who don't have hope. It doesn't say that we don't grieve, but we don't grieve the same let me contrast. In Thessalonica, at the time Paul is writing, there was an inscription in the city on one of the tombstones. And the inscription says, 
After death, no reviving. After the grave, no meeting again. It's over. There's nothing. No hope. But instead for us, we are not like those who without hope. Let me give a contrast. When I, when, I was, uh, when I was in Mississippi many years ago, I was a younger man, and I had a friend. He was older. His name was Ronnie. Ronnie was from Alabama. R- Ronnie used to, used, to, used to remind me fairly regularly, Bob, don't let God's word be like water off a duck's back. You see, that's Alabama talking. Don't let God's word be like water off a duck's back. Don't let it just roll off. Let it soak in. Let it affect you. Let it change you. Well, when we were just getting ready to go to Africa as missionaries, our little church, at that time I'd, I had been in the Air Force, so we had a little church there in Mississippi, a little Bible church, and they had a commissioning service for, for our family. And one of the things that Mr. Ronnie gave us that night was this song that said, as he was saying farewell, the church was, he said, I will meet you in the morning just inside the Eastern Gate over there. You see, Ronnie, Ronnie was an older man. In fact, while we were in Africa, Ronnie passed away. Ronnie went on to be with our Savior. And yet, although I, I missed him, I, I, I grieved his loss and the friendship that we had. And yet I didn't grieve as those who have no hope because I knew, even though that he was away from me for now, I knew that I will meet him over there when we meet at Jesus' feet. That's our faith in God's promise. It brings hope even in the midst of our grief. There are losses that are happening all around us now. There's the loss of death, but there's the loss of work. There's people who don't know how they're going to pay their bills, and they're, they're urgently looking for what is Congress going to do? What check might the government send? How's that going to happen? How are we going to make it? There's a lot in turmoil. People are cut off from one another. They're, they're missing activities. And all, there's all kinds of losses that we're in the midst of. And we don't know, is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? And we're pinned to the news for some kind of indication. But this we know, our God is sovereign. And our hope is in him. And no matter how broken this world is, we know that our Lord is risen and he is coming. For since we believe, verse 14 said, that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. What's important in that line is God's promise is wrapped up in Jesus. That we have this promise because we are in Jesus. God raised Jesus and we are in him. God completes his resurrection work in Jesus. God raises him from the dead and so he completes that resurrection by raising us also because we are in him. God has so joined us to Jesus that your coming resurrection is not going to be because you're worthy. It's not going to be because you are good enough that God is going to also raise you. It's because Jesus was good enough that God could not leave his son in the grave. And because you are in him, he cannot leave you there either. God cannot leave his sinless son and you are joined to Jesus. That's why death is called by Paul this temporary, this falling asleep for Christians. It's the same way that Jesus talked about Lazarus in the tomb. Remember, he said, Lazarus is asleep. We need to go and wake him. And the disciples said, what? If he's asleep, let him wake up on his own. We don't have to go there and put ourselves in danger. And then Jesus tells them, no, Lazarus is dead. 
But just like Lazarus's dead was only temporary, for a Christian, it's the same. They sleep in Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean a soul sleep. It doesn't mean that we are completely unaware of, of anything that's happening from the time that we die until the time of the resurrection, because the Bible also tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. So the body is laid there in the ground, and yet we are present with the Lord. And then Jesus is going to bring with him those who have died, those who were asleep, their bodies were asleep, and we're going to be joined together again in one glorious church assembly. And all this is based on God's word. At a time of despair, you can say, well, well, we try to tell, our, tell us things that would, would make us feel good, would give us some kind of hope. But this is based on God's word, not man's word, not Bob's word. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, by the word of the Lord himself. Make sure what you're counting on is not based on what somebody thinks or feels, not based on the latest news reports by the news source that you choose because you like what that one says rather than this one, but make sure that what you're counting on is based on something sure. Like this is what God has said. One of the things that concerns me in Christian circles today is that we take a kind of postmodern approach to our faith. We choose to believe what we think should be true. We even declare our feelings or perceptions as, as possibly a word that God told me in my spirit. But faith in God is not based on our feelings. Faith in God is based on what God himself has clearly said. And God has given us a record of what he has said. He's made it very clear to us. This is a record that has served his church well for almost 2,000 years now. Anchor your faith to God's word. In times like this, when circumstances and reality are changing daily, God says this, I, the Lord, do not change. And what God has said, this he's going to do. God has given us his word on us. We need to know this. We need to know that we who are alive, who are left, until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, a voice of the archangel, a sound of the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them to, in clouds. We'll meet the Lord in the air and so we will always be with the Lord. There's this coming, catching away. It's a, that, 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 that's the word we also know as the rapture of those who died before us, along with we who are living and remaining all together, we're all caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Those who go on ahead of us into the Lord's presence are not going to miss this glorious rapture. Notice also that Jesus has returned to raise, to rapture, to reunite his church together. It's, it's not going to be a hidden thing. It's, it's not going to be a quiet thing. It's accompanied with a lot of noise. And it, it could happen at any time. Paul says, we who are alive and remaining or alive and left. That Paul expected this even could happen in his own lifetime. If it could have happened in Paul's lifetime, certainly it could happen by our lifetimes. And so it could happen at any time. This, this wonderful, noisy, full of shouts and, and trumpeting and angels' voices affair. And it's going to be a messy occasion. There's going to be a lot of beautiful cemetery lawns that are messed up that, that morning. They're going to be torn up. It's going to be like the, the open tomb on Easter morning is repeated on a massive worldwide scale. 
the coronavirus, the, the coronavirus death count, it's going to be minuscule compared to the rapture and resurrection count. People are really worried that they might wind up in the coronavirus count. What you need to be concerned about is, are you in Jesus's rapture and resurrection count? Because that's what's going to matter most. It's far more important by believing in Jesus who died for you and rose again. That's God's wonderful truth. That not only Jesus died for you, but that he rose for you. If you believe in Jesus, that he died for you and rose for you, then his death is your death and his resurrection is your resurrection. You're joined by God to Jesus so that he, he must raise you up because he raised Jesus up. He says Jesus is the first fruits, the rest of us at his coming and we'll be with him forever. That's exciting. You know, I'm feeling like we need to have a baptism here. Maybe right on camera, I don't know. But, but this, is, this is what baptism portrays, right? Someone who believes in Jesus is joined with him in his death and his burial going under the water and is raised in Christ out of the water to live in new resurrection life in Jesus. We need to have a baptism. I don't know who's ready. Luke, have you been baptized yet? Luke's been baptized. Maybe, maybe by next week. Maybe next week, if we're still on camera, we can have a baptism next week. I hope so, because this is, this is exciting to me. He says, encourage one another with these words. As broken people in a broken world, we know all too well that death may come. And so we need to know even more surely that Jesus is coming. His resurrection life lasts forever. Someone around you is talking about uncertainty. You've got something certain and sure to tell them. You can tell them that Jesus is coming, that this life will not always be broken, that Jesus will come for those who believe in him. Maybe all this virus stuff has someone around you worried about death. I pray that you will get the opportunity, the chance to tell them that Jesus already entered into death for them. And they, by believing in Jesus, could, could, could be freed of death and have his eternal life joined with him forever. Death may still separate us for, for a time, may, may separate us for a short time, a while, but it holds no final power over those who believe in Jesus. So he says, comfort one another with these words, all of it. There is a lot of hope here. Too much to pack in maybe all at once. Not just one coming day when Jesus returns. There's much more than that here. In verse 13, in the midst of troubles and difficulties, in things that many may despair, we have a hope. We have a settled confidence in God's future. Verse 14, don't miss this. It's most important that Jesus died for you. If we believe that Jesus died for us and rose again, do you believe it? All that you've done, all that you're guilty of, all that you're shamed by, it's all forgiven in Jesus. There's no shame. There's no guilt. Jesus went into death for you. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that China is wrestling with right now, there's this big propaganda war going on, right? You've probably seen some of that going on in the news as well. But the thing for China is China is an honor-shame culture. And they are shamed by what they didn't do initially in response to this virus. And so it spread and it affected so many other people, just like you've had feelings of guilt and shame at times because of something you did do or something you didn't do and how that affected others. And then it was even worse when other people knew about it. But imagine all of that covered by the death of Jesus Christ who loved you 
and gave himself for you. That's a wonderful hope. In the midst of death, it's not the end. The present separation is hard. Our future forever is with the Lord. God keeps us even through death itself. Verse 15, things around us are constantly changing, but God does not change. He tells us this by the word of the Lord. You know these things by God's own promise. God himself has spoken to you. Verse 16, Jesus is coming loud and publicly. Others may mock faith in Jesus now, but your trust in him is about to be wonderfully vindicated. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. One day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Above the earth and on the earth and under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you, church, get to be first in line. Think of it. We're going to be part of a a grand and glorious procession that earth and heaven has never seen before. Imagine the saints through all the centuries are all going to be caught up together to be in the company of Jesus when he gathers us all together. This is going to be the biggest party of tax collectors and, and tax collectors made givers, of sinners made saints, those that God has redeemed and transformed that the universe has ever known. We have been living by faith, but soon we will live by sight. Now is our short opportunity to show God, I believe you. I believe what you said, because soon it'll all be before our eyes and we'll see it. Finally, in verse 18, comfort one another with these words. You have the ability and the opportunity to be God's comfort to somebody else who right now even feels like they need it. Sometimes people are oblivious to it. They're, things are going great, but when the bottom drops out, when the chaos comes in, that's when a word of comfort of God's truth can make a huge difference in a heart. Perhaps the soil of that heart has been prepared. I know you're isolated, social distance and all, but lots of isolated people you know need a word of encouragement, of comfort from God himself, and you're the one to give it to them. Be ready for that. Don't keep them waiting. Call, text, tell them from six feet away, but give God's hope and comfort to someone you know, someone around you. Go to someone and say, guys, you really need to know this.